Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast, previewing spring football for the Tigers. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon, Matthew Bruni. The gang's all here. We've got a lot to talk about as we flip over to the defensive side of the ball, leading off with the defensive line before working our way to the linebacker room. The Tigers are set to get on the practice field next week. They laid out the practice schedule. It's time to see these guys in action very shortly. But first, let's jump into that defensive line room. And let's take a look at the state of it. A very kind of hotly debated offseason discussion was addressing that room, bringing in transfers. They're going to get Mason Smith back from injury. They've got Makai Wingo. Um, they do lose Jaqueline and Roy. But this is a room that still is one of the tops in uh, the conference, in my opinion, in terms of their starters, despite losing a guy like B.J. Ojolari as well. I think the interior of it with Mason Smith and Makai Wingo really sets the tone there, fellas. Yeah, I, I want Shay to go first um, just to run through injuries and who is here and not here. I know, obviously, Makai Wingo, we talked about that, um, him missing spring, um, but then the early enrollees and then transfers and stuff. So I'll throw it to, throw it to Shay. Okay, so we've got you return Savion Jones, um, Makai Wingo, who's obviously going to miss a little time here, Mason Smith, who's coming off injury. I'll talk about that more in a moment. Um, Fitzgerald West, we saw playing some defensive tackle in the bowl game. Jacobian Guillory at nose tackle. Quincy Wiggins is an edge guy. Tyge Hill and Bryce Langston, both still on the roster uh, for spring ball as well. So six, seven, eight guys you're bringing back, which is a good number. 
they added a couple of transfers. Paris Shand, actually a number, five. <laughs> Paris Shand, Jalen Lee, Jordan Jefferson, Ovia Gofu, Braden Swinson. Jordan Jefferson showed up and it just had some sort of surgery to clean up something on his knee. He was in a brace. So we'll see how much he's out there in spring ball. And then your high school signees, Deshaun Womack, Dylan Carpenter, and Jackson Howard. Howard and Womack are already on campus. And Womack is one, guys, that we'll have to keep an eye on because he had some shoulder surgery to clean something up after the season uh, when his senior year wrapped up. And when I asked early on, they were like, no, he's not going to be part of spring ball. Probably not. That would be pushing it. Uh, but I saw him at the basketball game the other day. He wasn't in his sling or anything like that. So I don't know if he's just working out, not taking contact, or kind of how they'll use him. But uh, that's the rundown on the group. A deep about as deep as on the team the depth at every position. And I would say beyond maybe running back, uh, the D-line group as a whole uh, is about as deep as, as any other on the roster. Yeah, I mean, before we get into the, uh, the like specifics, players that we're looking forward to watching and everything like that, just from an overall standpoint, last year's defensive line was really, really good. Like, uh, p- you know, people have their gripes about Ollie Gay and obviously Mason Smith going down hurt. But Mikhail Wingo, you know, becoming an all-SEC caliber defensive tackle was awesome. Jaquel and Roy had a little bit of a down year, I guess. But, um, you know, and his draft stock fell a little bit. But he was very, very solid. Um, and I think it allowed them, those that front four allowed them to do what they wanted to do uh, behind them. Uh, I think that's a big thing with Matt House and this defense. Uh, getting pressure with four, not having to blitz, blitz as much. Obviously, Harold Perkins c- coming into the equation changed the dynamic because they ran different packages out there they were able to blitz him in different spots have him and ojalari on the field at the same time um and we'll probably talk we'll talk about perkins more as a linebacker even though he'll move around but still they were able to get pressure with four they were able to hold up in the run game with four and i think that's something we really shouldn't take for granted moving forward because there are guys that are gonna have to prove themselves this coming season, like a Savion Jones, um, Mason Smith, obviously coming back off the injury. We expect him to be elite, but he's still going to have to see it. Guys like Quincy Wiggins, um, Jacoby and Guillory to an extent, and then those transfers that we talked about. Yeah, I think if everything goes right, that Mason Smith could be the biggest storyline that nobody's talking about right now. He was set last year to break out onto the scene. Brian Kelly called it out in the preseason. He said, by the end of the year, everyone in the country is going to know Mason Smith's name. Well, that person ended up being Harold Perkins. I think that now that Mason Smith's healthy, I mean, he was gone on the first defensive series of the season, so or of the year, gone for the season. Now that he's had time to recover, he'll be back out there. We'll see him kind of up, get back to full health by fall camp because he'll have a full year of recovery under his belt. If he's healthy – He's as good as anybody out there on the defensive line at any of these SEC schools that they will match up against. I think he's the type of player that can be the difference between having a very good year and having a great year. I just think he has that kind of impact every week. So big Mason Smith fan. Just think people are forgetting about him. Like he's not going to be on any preseason list or, you know, any, Hey, watch out for this guy because all that's based on what happened a year ago. He's sort of, now everybody's sleeping on the reality that this was a five-star that everybody wanted that was supposed to have this blow-up sophomore year, and it got cut short before it began. So I'm excited to see him back out there. Yeah, More he about- was. there was a list where that didn't have him in the top 10 defense tackles, but had Makai Wingo, I think, at six. 
And I was like, if Mikhail Wynn goes six, I Mason Smith is right there, if not higher. Like Mason Smith, that if if he gets back to where he was and can perform for a full season at that level, he's a first round pick. Yeah, I think I think pro football focus should be sometimes on no context That's college football. They left him out and, and there needs to be context with Mason Smith because he's he's a freak. It kind of reminds me of of when Caleb on Chasson tore his ACL um, you know, early in his career and then bounced back and and you know, obviously ended up NFL draft pick. I think Mason Smith's got even more upside than that. And and Caleb Vaughn's an unreal athlete, but so is Mason Smith, especially for how big he is. Um, you know, we saw him play defensive end a little bit early in his career. Uh, now I think he's a full fledged, you know, interior guy, you know, as they try to, you know, get him ready for the NFL and all of that. And I'm interested to see how long, how, how they bring him along. How does he progress through spring? If he does a little bit, a lot, what's that status for him? Because, you know, he's missed, you know, all last season pretty much. And, you know, you need him to shake a little bit off the, uh, of the rust off, but at the same time, he is one of, your players that you are counting on in the biggest sense. So I think proceed with caution. If I'm LSU, keep them in bubble wrap of sorts, let them run around, you know, get in uh, even better shape and uh, see where the cards fall with him. I think in terms of proving something, uh, he's going to have that chip on his shoulder. He's going to want to show people what he's all about because he hasn't really gotten that chance yet. I will say this before we dive into the questions. Uh, and this applies to every position, not just D line. I am firmly in the boat and off sailing in the middle of the sea of letting guys get things cleaned up, letting guys take it easy who have proven themselves and are valuable enough to where you can't have any setbacks. And like Aaron Anderson is going to miss a little time. It looks like he had something minor cleaned up with his knee that had bothered him at Bama. Do it. Because when I was talking to people who were close to Anderson, they said, or at least the situation, they said the goal for us and Aaron is by fall in the season, I want to be at 100%. I don't need to be at 90 and, you know, 85 and be working through spring ball and going backwards. So there will be a lot of starters that are out. And I think that's obviously, it's a necessity. If you've got an injury, you're going to get it worked on. But Maddie B's talked about this a lot. Makai Wingo led the nation in snaps last year. Like Jaquel and Roy wasn't far behind him. Mason Taylor eventually became the only tight end they played. Like these guys were playing with arm braces, you know, neck braces, everything by the end of the season because they were banged up. And this is the result of it. You use the offseason to get healthy again. So I think I'm I think spring will give us a good view of the roster as a whole. And what I mean by that is who's kind of the middle of the pack guys and who is who's kind of coming up to maybe start to earn playing time. Those guys will get a lot of reps in spring ball if indeed some of these bona fide starters are not out there. Yeah. And, and I think as you talk about the starters and we you know, took time to dive into that a little bit, you know, do you guys see, I mean, for me, it's fairly simple. I'm going to answer the question before I ask it. Mason okay. Smith and Mikhail Winga are two guys that are locked in as starters for me. Do you guys see that across the board uh, as well? You know, guys that have, you know, at least a really strong hold on a, a starting job entering spring ball. I think I think those two do. I will say it's going to be interesting because Jaquel and Roy played a little bit more of that zero technique at times, like a true nose tackle. Uh, not not all the time, but a lot of the times he was in that spot, and that's not where Mason Smith and Wingo necessarily play or where they thrive. At. I'm not saying they can't do it, but that is something that I think Jacoby and Guillory and Fitzgerald West can do a lot. So maybe they're you know they'll 
toy with it and wherever they need the zero technique guys, they'll put Guillory or Weston or whoever. Or obviously, um, we haven't talked about the transfers yet, but Jalen Lee can also fill that role out of, of Florida. Um, Jordan, Jordan Jefferson, Jefferson, maybe? Yeah, kind of. Jefferson, Jefferson can do that too. He's kind of a guy who can move around. So, yeah, though that's kind of going to be my only question mark um, with that specifically defense tackle. But obviously, Wingo and Smith are two of the best defensive tackles. I think they're going to be two of the best defense tackles in the SEC. So I'm not really worried about it. If we're looking at it in the sense of just like D line, D line, DN, stand up edge rusher, mm-hmm. and you told me that the DN spot was an open one. Like I have no doubt Mason Smith and, and Mikhail Wingo will start. I just like Matty B said, I don't know exactly where they go. I'm sure there'll be multiple. They'll be moving these guys around all the time. I'm, I'm certain of it, but then I would feel best about punching open the door of D end and saying it'd be Savion Jones. And it just feels like they wanted, they were grooming him to take over that role that Ali Gay played. Right. And Mason Smith wasn't available, but he started the bowl. He got a lot of, you know, run at the end. This is a former five-star kid on on three coming out of St. James. It just looks like he's ready to move into a starting spot. So before I would move to that stand-up edge rusher, which I think could bring the most debate, especially early on, I would say that, okay, if Wingo and Mason Smith and Savion Jones are out there, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. That would be my front runner group for the first three guys to the field. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I do think, you know, we've talked about Madhouse moving guys around. I, I think the group that they brought in from the transfer portal allows that to happen a little bit more than I think we'll even, you know, realize. Um, you know, there, there are guys that can play up and down a little bit. Parishan, um, Jordan Jefferson can play D-tackle or play that nose, like you said, Matty B. I mean, there are some options that they can use to really be multiple. And I think even we're seeing that in recruiting and not to go off recruiting tangent, but we're seeing them really target guys that can play multiple spots and maybe can move around and, and not come off the field and just be versatile. And, and so I think we're seeing that in this defensive line group. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a rotation than it has been in the past, um, you know, because they brought in some depth, they brought in guys that can do different things and they're going to toy with it and see what the, the right rotation is. But I'm with you, Shay. Those three are the starters for me. Quincy Wiggins is someone who I'm interested in. I, I think, uh, obviously, I think Savion Jones is this in the lead for de- defensive end. Uh, but Quincy Wiggins is someone who we were really, really excited about. I mean, last year as a freshman, uh, weren't sure how much he was going to play, but obviously the injury early in the season, and then we just never got to see him ever, really. And so he's someone looking at spring specifically, because this is a spring podcast, is, he's one of the players I'm most excited to see how he's developed, how he's used um, and just the reps that he gets and how he looks compared to a guy like Savion Jones, Quincy Wiggins um, at that defensive end spot, because he's physically, I mean, he was a standout as a freshman. Yeah. And that that leads into a next question, uh, Matty B, which I think you might've answered. Yeah, Is that that who you're taking Matty B? Yeah. Who could make the most out of spring ball? And I think Matty B alluded to a potential choice for his, his, so, uh, is that your choice? Who can make? Yeah, I'll go with that. I, that just shows um, I did not read the rundown 
uh, over text. Yeah. So I don't even know why we do it. Matthew's not, not even reading it. We should just do like, like, live podcasts. This is exactly why we should do live podcasts. We, we just I was like, we could just wing it. I was like, I'm sure I'm not going to ask me anything crazy. No, they will. Nothing you don't know the answer to, but you'll give it ahead of time. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll Dave's double. Trivia question. But yeah, I'll double. Okay. There you go. I'll double back to Savion Jones as the guy I think could make the most of spring because I think if he can hold off Wiggins and these other transfers who are coming in who do have playing time and the reality that they could move guys around like Mason Smith or Makai Wingo and, and bump him out of a DN spot, if he can prove he belongs on the field this spring and kind of into the offseason, summer, fall, whatever you want to call it, I think that he could lock himself into it. Like he's the one guy that still feels the closest to saying, okay, I've got a starting spot locked in. And that begins with spring ball. So I'll choose the same guy that I thought was in the starting lineup. I, I don't know if this is a sleeper pick for this, but I think Jacoby and Guillory, you know, I mean, we know what he can do right, in the right. weight room. He, he, we know what he brings in terms of size to the field and just strength. He's been nicked up here and there early in his career. And, I think along that interior, he could have an opportunity to get plenty of snaps in the spring. Jaquel and Roy's gone. It's time for Jacoby and Guillory to step up. He was really, you know, highly thought of coming out of high school. And now it's time to turn that corner. And I, I'm excited to see if he can do that. And I think he's got an opportunity to make the most of spring and getting those extra reps. You know, if they're bringing Mason Smith along slowly, that that's something where, all right, Jacoby and Guillory, go get you some, you know, you, you have Jordan Jefferson kind of in a similar mold of him, I think. Um, but uh, Jacoby and Guillory has that ability, I think, to, to really have a chance to shine this spring. I'll add one quick thing on Jacobian that I'd picked up. And I may have mentioned this on the board before. I'm not sure about the podcast, but um, I had someone close to the program tell me that he will take a massive jump because Jaquel and Roy is no longer in the room and no longer in the picture. And what they meant by that was that, Matty B was talking about earlier, Jaquel and Roy was great for them. He also played like the seventh or eighth most snaps of any D lineman in the country. So I think Guillory knew like, I'm not going to get on the field that much. And now that Roy's gone, it's wide open for him. So you would hope that turns the light on to say, Hey, I'm nearing the end of my career. I could start. I'm going to get a lot of playing time. I'm going to elevate my game this off season in a big way. Uh, we know he can do it in the weight room, um, get him in conditioning shape, make sure he knows kind of what he needs to be doing assignment-wise every play, and I, I think let him go. I, I'm with you. I like that pick. Uh, I'll, I'll follow up with another question for you guys as we continue to roll on here. And I'm going to tweak it a little bit from the rundown and ask, all right, which transfer makes the most noise in spring? And the second part is, is that the one that necessarily has the biggest year? And if not, who? Okay, so you, so I, I went and read the rundown, and then you changed the rundown. So yes, again, I, I don't know, and I wrote the rundown, and neither of you are even abiding by it. So, oh man, go ahead, king, king of the okay. castle, king of the castle. Um, the one that stand, the one that I expect to stand. Honestly, I'll go Braden Swinson. I think could really stand out this spring, um, because I think athletically he can look the part. Athletically, I think Braden Swinson can stand out at that jack spot whether you know we we've talked about ovia gofu on the board before transfer from texas brian swinson has that athletic upside that you think we'll see a lot from deshaun womack maybe not during the spring but uh just in throughout his career uh brian swinson athletically i think will stand out if we're able to watch practices i think he'll stand out to his teammates uh because his production wasn't very high at oregon he wasn't very high on my transfer rankings or whatever you call it 
but I think athletically in the spring, he could be someone be like, oh, you know, there's he's got good speed. He's got good size. He's someone who can, with some development, I think, look look the part at the jack spot. I'll go with – I don't know enough about Paris Shand coming out of Arizona, but I feel like he's got some versatility to him. Isn't that Billy's guy? Okay, yeah. well, I'm not, I'm not going to pick him. I'm just saying I don't know enough about him, so that's why I'm not going to pick him. Okay. I think Ovia Gofu coming out of Texas could be a guy that creates some storylines in the spring that may or may not carry over into the fall as being like the biggest impact player, but I do think he'll be key. He's got one year left, but I say that I think he stands out because he comes in with a lot of experience. He's played for Brian Kelly before at Notre Dame. He's played at a high level at Texas. He understands what an off season is like. So there should be no hesitation there. And then if Womack is you know, if they're taking it easy on him, they're looking for a Jack replacement or at least a BJ Ojolari replacement. And the other guys are other transfers. Braden Swinson's in there. Um, you know, we'll see who else kind of gets mixed in. Jackson Howard and some other signees they have. But for me, spots or at least reps are there to be had. Snaps are there to be had at the edge spot. So I'll choose the veteran of that group. The guy who's going to be the most experienced. I like that pick, Shay, uh, especially for the spring. And I, I'm going to go with Parashand. Um, I, I like the way he's kind of trended up, uh, at least in his production over the course of his career. Uh, he's still relatively young. He's you know getting you know to a program that I think has a little bit more tools around him to succeed uh, at LSU rather than you know, no offense Arizona. And I, I, I like his ability to play multiple spots. I think he's got the size to do it a little bit. So I'm intrigued by how they maybe move him around. Uh, maybe that's not the best thing to do either, uh, coming into a new defense. Maybe it is learn one spot. But I do think, you know, when it comes to the season, he'll have a chance to maybe move around and, and play some different spots. But I think he'll have a chance to really surprise this spring. I would have picked Jordan Jefferson, and, and that's my pick uh, for uh, the season as far as biggest impact along uh, the defensive line from the transfer hall. But uh, with him being nicked up, that's that's a little bit of a question mark for me. Yeah, that's – Jordan Jefferson was my third on was third on my like transfer rankings list. I love Jordan Jefferson. I think he has the potential to be very good. The question is, is he's not as young as what Mikai Wingle was last year. So he's not, you know, you don't have that projection of like, oh, he can do this in the future. He has to perform this year. And I think he will perform this year. Uh obviously, like you said, we don't know his status for spring hundred percent, but uh so I, it's hard on a spring podcast to say he's going to look great during the spring. But I think when the season comes, I'm very high on Jordan Jefferson and the talent that he has. Well, if we know anything about Jordan Jefferson is that he always had potential. That's right. That the, is right. The original one. I'm going uh, to these names all the time, too. <laughs> I've called him Justin a lot already. Oh, man. Tough look for him. That's that some say, lofty I mean, expectations to live up to, Shay. He does. <laughs> I, I will say, uh, kind of Shay's point. I think of Ovia Gofu could very well be the starter for against Florida State at Jack. Like that wouldn't surprise me at all, just because of the experience. Because I think he's better than what his stats showed at Texas. I mean, we have film on that of how he played against Alabama and TCU and some teams. Um, and maybe you know, I, we're very, very high on Deshaun Womack. We are a very pro Deshaun Womack podcast. We love him, uh, but expecting him to step in and be day one starter. Maybe that's not exactly where they want him. Maybe he starts game three, four, five, who knows. But uh, I think Ovia Gofu could be, you know, the starter at Jack come, start, come the start of the season. 
Well, fellas, anything else to add on the D-line? Any other tidbits, sh- thoughts? I read the rundown. I think we're good. <laughs> I'm good. That's it. We're trans, uh, transitioning to linebacker here now. Yep. I, like the, I like the D-line group. I think they've got a lot of good options here. They have – last year they had to really rely on like four guys to do everything, and that will not be the case this year. Yeah, no, I completely agree. It's it's just a different feel around the group. It, it, there's options, there's some questions, but there's certainly options and, and versatile ones at at that as well as uh, you know some some household names like a Makai Wingo and a Mason Smith. So, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Um, Guys, before we talk about the linebackers, we do have to let our subscribers to our YouTube channel uh, feel the love. Uh, Over 3,100 of you guys. Appreciate you guys who have hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel. Please do if you haven't already. For those of you who don't subscribe to TheBengalTiger.com, please hit that subscribe button. Join us. $30 gets you access until September 1st. Pretty good deal there uh, for plenty of time on the site, as well as look out for our spring football special, which will uh, hit uh, the internet next week. And you can still get a Bengal Tiger Founders Club hat that Shea's sporting right now. So, With that housekeeping out of the way, we'll jump into the linebacker room, uh, a room that needed to be addressed with transfers, and they did that, adding Omar Spates from from Oregon State. Um, And then they bring in Whit Weeks uh, as a mid-year early enrollee. This is a room that has a guy in Greg Penn, obviously some star power in Harold Perkins, um, but it's also relatively thin. You know, they're still hunting for uh, an addition in the transfer portal at some point. They would like one. Um, but this room right now in the spring uh, has some some key guys that are returning, but also uh, they, they're pretty thin in a way. Yeah. Um, Harold Perkins, obviously the X Factor, but we'll, I'll, we'll save him for a second. Uh, Greg Penn is is the one that everybody wants to know. I think that's during the spring. I don't know how much we'll learn about Greg Penn, but I do think it's going to be an interesting talking point to see Greg Penn um, how he leads the group because there is so much turnover at this point. I mean, Micah Baskerville last year at this time was, you know, running fourth string linebacker. Nobody knew what, what was going on. And just so much was was moving in the linebacker room. And now it's like Greg Penn, this is his year to take that step forward. And this is the start of that. You know, in the spring is where you start to develop that and you start to be like, all right, Greg Penn, either he's going to be the guy or he's not. And if he's not, then that's where you like, all right, are we going to put Harold Perkins there? Are we going to put Omar Spates there? Um, are we going to put a Weeks brother there? I mean, there's a 
a lot of this starts with Greg Penn, and I think he's the one this spring that's going to have to set the tone, and he's one that I'm interested in, in seeing. We're going to talk about – I wrote the rundown, so I know what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about what I think the biggest storylines are, which are – is it really deep enough or is it a concern? Because I think that's one position that people do look at and say, man, y'all really don't have many players at that spot. Um, and beyond that, just how they use Harold Perkins, will I think is going to be one of the biggest questions, obviously. Like he's the best player. He's the best linebacker in the country. But do you even want to use him as a actual linebacker? Or do you want to use him in a variety of ways? So get y'all's thoughts on that. We'll touch on it all. But um, I like the group. I think baskerville replacing what baskerville did for them will be key but i think that bringing in a transfer like spates gives you at least one year to where you feel a little bit better about you know what the future or what the immediate future looks like in terms of not falling off from where you were a year ago uh, i love the warning shot to uh, stick to the rundown uh, from shay there telling people don't talk about all the answers in the opening monologue <laughs> <laughs> That's why I focused on Greg Penn. I focused on Greg Penn. I said, all right, we got Harold Perkins coming up. Uh, question number one on our list for the linebacker room. Will Omar Spates or Greg Penn be the starter against Florida State? Who wants I think I had and. And. I think and, I had oh, well, Spates and Penn start on day one. Please well, I guess that, that's an interesting one because, you know, where is Harold Perkins fit into that too, so. It's the second question. I, I do think I do think they will be the two inside linebacker starters. Um, game one. Omar Spates, for those who didn't don't know or maybe didn't read my transfer analysis back whenever I wrote it, like in January, whatever it was, he was someone who was used in a lot of different ways at Oregon State. He was not very traditional. I think he led the Pac-12 for linebackers in terms of pass rush attempts. Um, he was used in coverage. I think he was third in the Pac-12 in coverage. Uh, snaps as a linebacker like he is someone who I think will be asked to fill that Micah Baskerville role however he is a little bit more physically imposing than Micah Baskerville I think he's going to be able to hold up in the run game really well and it's just going to be interesting to see how they because I don't they don't need him to do all that this year they don't need him to be a you know five tool player as you know you to use a baseball term they just need him to do what Micah Baskerville did last year and I think that if they get that from him, they're very happy because you already have Harold Perkins who can do all the other stuff. He's the five-tool player. Let him do, you know, run around and go sack the quarterback and do that. They need Omar Spates to be, hold up in pass coverage and be an experienced leader on this team uh, because the linebacker position is very, very, very young. I think he's the only one with more than two years of experience in the room. So, yeah, they, they need him for that reason. I think the answer is yes, and I, I've i done this a million. I'm not going to go too deep here, but Greg Penn is getting the Damone Clark treatment from early in his career where he got put out there. People thought he wasn't very good. They carried that thought process over into another year and then into another year, and Greg Penn is in year two right now, and he led the team in tackles a year ago, and I know people are going to say, well, that's what a linebacker should do. Yes, you're right, and he did. He led the team in tackles, and he played in every single game, and he was reliable enough for Matt House, who everybody considers to be a very good D.C., if not a great D.C., um, great defensive mind, and the linebackers coach to stick him out there every game. Now, we saw DeMario Tolan, who transferred to Auburn, start to get more reps at the end of the year. 
So, yes, he wants to have more guys out there. I do think, though, that Penn has done enough and will continue to do enough to start. And Spates didn't come here for one year left of college to not start. And he was all Pac-12. He can do it. So I do think those are the two day one starters because, as we'll talk about in a minute, I think they want to continue to use Harold Perkins as a Swiss Army knife. And that doesn't mean being the middle linebacker on every down. Swiss Army knife is a way better analogy than five-tool player. Good job. <laughs> it's easy for people to pick up. There's more things than just five with Harold. He's got everything. It all got, just keeps coming. Around. He's got the little bitty scissors. He's got the thing you can clean your nails out with. He's everything. Screwdriver. Yeah. Screwdriver. Corkscrew. Um, most importantly. Uh, no, I, I think Omar Spates and, and Greg Penn are, are the starters. And I agree, especially with him coming with one year from Oregon State. I mean, that's that's kind of the key. I mean, I think Brian Kelly and his staff do a good job of not promising, you know, these guys too much. But I think you can read the writing on the wall in that room that they absolutely need him to be a day one starter. And, you know, that's going to be the interesting thing, though, is, all right, if the, those two guys are the starters, you know, how – is Harold Perkins used, you know, does he continue to come off the edge? Does he, you know, get some more reps and kind of eased in to a middle linebacker spot? I mean, that's something long-term I, or, or at least for his, the rest of his career, I'd like to see them start doing a little bit more just because you are going to need to rely on him, you know, relatively quickly. Um, and, and that's going to be important uh, is, is not only, yes, we know Harold Perkins can, you know, make these game changing type plays, but he's going to have to be the one running the defense at some point And, uh, they need him to get that experience back there doing it. Uh, it's so it's so difficult. It's so difficult. We've 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 battled it all year. He is so elite as a pass rusher that I just don't want him to be restricted as you know a middle linebacker. I'm not saying middle linebackers can't or inside linebackers can't rush the passer because they can sure, but what he did last year was so special that it's like I don't want him to even play or think about having to play the role Greg Penn is playing. And I think you're right to the point where like eventually maybe at year three or going to the NFL or something, he'll be an inside linebacker because he's not big enough. He's not quite that size of, you know, a traditional defensive end or a Jack linebacker, but man, he, the way he rushes the passer, I think you just have to start your base defense and do what you did last year, where you bring him in for those packages where you run a, um, three, four, for lack of a better term, where you just kind of either sub out the defensive end or sub out one of the D tackles. And you kind of just go with him and break, you know, Ovia Gofu as you're as at the edges and then just attack from there. It's just, you have to have him on the field in an attacking role in my opinion, in my, in my opinion, he's too talented. He's too dangerous. And that's just where I think he needs to play. I don't, I don't want him reacting to stuff i know that's what brian kelly said is like you know we're, we're working with him you know with at the middle linebacker spot eventually all this stuff right now he is way way too good in my opinion to just stick him back there and continue to learn i want him just to attack they start the season with florida state they don't start with a week zero game against an fcs school like he has to be from day one ready to go get jordan travis Yep. I want to see him doing two things more than anything else, getting after the quarterback or getting out, getting into the backfield blitzing and spying the quarterback. And in yeah. game, I can think of games like Arkansas where he just sat there all game and they, you know, didn't have KJ Jefferson, but they had a track star in Hornsby at quarterback and he couldn't do anything because 
Harold just sat there and waited. And the second he saw him try to leave the pocket, it was, I'm coming right after you. And he made some big plays. And uh, yeah, that's it. I just want to see him getting into the backfield or spying the quarterback. And I don't really, I mean, he made some plays in coverage. In fact, that Arkansas game, I think he dropped back and tipped a pass and helped them kind of secure the game at the end. So yes, he can do everything. And Matt House, the defensive coordinator, linebacker coach, said at the bowl game that he's just scratching the surface of what he can be as a complete linebacker. But at the end of the day, I want him to be like a Micah Parsons. I don't want him to have to be, you know, a true middle backer. So yeah, my wish would be what they've been doing, which is keep letting him get after the, whoever's got the ball in the backfield and let him watch the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, I, I think in terms of his progression, I want to see more middle linebacker, but in terms of winning games and what they're going to have to do this year, letting him just go. And maybe we see it over the course of the year. The light comes on when he does get those middle linebacker reps. The light certainly came on for him as the year went on in the role they put him in. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's about winning football games. And Matt House is really good at taking the guys and putting them in the best positions, I think, for them to succeed. And he'll do that with Harold Perkins and, and keep doing it. I, I think last year showed it. You know, they got him on the field more and more because he just kept making plays and they put him in that role and just said, go. Now I, I do think, cause you're right. I think ideally you want, we want to see him get more middle linebacker roles. Like even if they're not in a blitzing package, if he, there are snaps where he's a middle linebacker and we see him go, I think that'd be huge to bring it back to spring. Cause it's a spring podcast. I'm not going to overreact if we see him at middle linebacker 90% of the time. Like I, I just think that they're, they might spend the whole spring be like, Hey, we know you can do this. We know you can. We can stick you out there and just rush the passer. But let's see. Let's learn middle linebacker. Let's see what you can do here, and so that way we can have you on the field even more. Like that. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm not going to overreact if they play him at middle linebacker throughout the spring. I mean, Dave Aranda used to sit there and literally walk Devin White through the little steps, and it was just Dave. It was Dave and Devin time, just over there by themselves, just working through the steps of being middle linebacker. I mean, it's crazy to obviously see what he eventually became, but that's maybe what they do. They just, hey, it's it's Matt and Matt and Harold time. The Harold and Matt show uh, over there, just work, working things out and, and developing him. That's what spring's about uh, for these guys and and working on some of the things that uh you know they need to in their game. So one reason why I could see Harold getting a little little bit more you know time at middle linebacker is the depth of the room and I'll pose it to you guys is the depth of the linebacker room right now. And, and, you know, especially in spring sense, a real concern for you guys. It, um, going into the spring, I think it is because so Christian Brathwaite's not going to be on campus, right? So what, what that leaves us with five and that's if we include Harold Perkins in Perkins weeks, weeks and spates as your five um you know what you're gonna get from spates like we just talked about perkins for a bit you know what you can get with pin for the most part so really it's the weeks brothers that we're going to be trying to learn about here and that's going to set the foundation for the depth of the linebacker group moving forward can wit weeks from day one be a rotational player in this linebacker room because we know west weeks at the very least can right like we we don't have super high expectations for west weeks but we think he can fill a goal fill a role for two, three snaps at a time. Like we think he's fine in there. So if Whit Weeks can come in and, you know, play and be a serviceable, serviceable player, we all love Whit Weeks here. Then I think maybe it's not as big of an issue, but going into spring where we do have those question marks and 
we don't know where Perkins is going to play exactly. I think there's there's reason to be, I guess, a little concerned with the overall depth of the room. My concern is when someone gets injured or if someone gets injured, because I think with how Matt House uses his linebackers, like there's only two on the field at one time and the guys who play on the second team get enough reps each game to where like, they're not trying to get to like the third string guys. So like, even if you're using Harold Perkins in a variety of ways, I feel very good about Spates pin and then having the two weeks brothers back him up. Cause I'm probably higher on West weeks than a lot of people. And then I love Whit weeks coming in. I think he's going to be phenomenal uh, as time goes on. And then you'd have Braithwaite on the very back end as a guy who could maybe play some, but you'd feel really good about that first four. Plus, you've got Harold Perkins, and at any moment you could throw him in there and he'd be the best linebacker you'd have, and he could play in the middle. If you take one of those guys out, I start to worry because then Braithwaite is in your too deep. And beyond that, you have nothing. And I'm not saying Braithwaite's a bad player. I'm just saying he's not – what Harold Perkins was as a freshman. He's not on that. He's not where Whit Weeks is as a freshman. So putting those sorts of expectations to like play in what could be key spots might be a lot. So I will not be surprised at all because they're targeting this. If they get another linebacker before the season starts, like in the second portal yeah. window, and it does not have to be a starter. In fact, maybe their best shot is someone with multiple years left who has no problem being a backup. Yeah. Like a West Weeks. 100%. Yep, I completely agree. And honestly, I mean, you guys covered the depth concerns and kind of where it's at very, very well. I mean, there, it, this it doesn't take long. There's only five of them. So. Yeah, yeah, we could we could do a get to know podcast in about you know 10 minutes with these guys. Uh, it's a good it's a good well, room to end on. Uh, because once we're done, we yeah. you know, there's not too much else left to debate, but we can do a Harold Perkins only podcast. For well, well Billy, days in the I, summer. Billy, I had a question for you because you saw Whit Weeks in person most recently. Uh, do you think Whit Weeks in the spring could prove himself to be like, hey, he will be in the rotation? Not saying he's going to start by any means, but you think you could see Whit Weeks break into be like, oh, that guy's going to be in the rotation? I do. I mean, I'm, I'm that high on him. And, and look, I mean, there's 15 practices and, you know, there's five guys out there. So he's going to get plenty of uh, reps right now. And I just feel like, He's he's got to get bigger, which I think he will. But he has really, really good sideline to sideline speed. I mean, he ran down some of the best athletes out there uh, at the All-American Bowl. I mean, really, really impressive running backs. I mean, covered tight ends and he just did it all. I mean, that's why he was one of our top performers. That's why he rose up uh, to right near the top of the linebacker room uh, or uh, group in the 2023 class. His speed is I think very underrated in his game. Uh, you know, he never, I don't think he ever went and, and did anything verified late in his career, but I mean, to run down some of the guys that he did and be able to diagnose like that. I think when you have a week like that going against the type of players he was, that shows me right away, he's going to be pretty comfortable um, at LSU. And um, as long as he picks up that playbook, which I think he will, uh, he's going to be more than fine. And when you're in the sec, I mean, yeah, you need the size up front or, you know, things like that. But it's all about speed. That's the thing that separates this league from all the rest of them. And Whit Weeks has it. Literally just, I don't need to verify times. Just turn on his tape. I turned it on in, I don't know, was it November or even earlier than that? And you just watch him play offense. Right. As a receiver, as a runner. And you're just like, okay. 
like between, after watching Harold Perkins offensive tape, obviously it's a different level. I'm not comparing the two, but I'm saying, you know, offensive tape and then you see what weeks offensive tape. I'm just going to start watching. I just want running backs to convert to linebacker from now on. That's what I want. Andy did it in Georgia at a relatively high level, which is Georgia's got great competition across all levels, but at a good school and was just dominant. He was by far the best player on the team. Yeah. Yep. I, I think uh, he's he's got a really bright future, and, and I, I think he's going to be in the too deep when it comes to the season, unless they, you know, really go out and and find somebody who's who's going to be you know a, a starter quality type of player uh, in the transfer portal. So very high on Whit Weeks. It's a Harold Perkins. It's a Whit Weeks podcast. It's a Deshaun Womack podcast. We're we're high on all those guys and and some others that we'll talk about on the next edition of the LSU Spring football preview podcast uh, that we're running. We're just one week away now, guys, from spring ball. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast. Please hit that subscribe button to our YouTube channel. Help us out with that. It takes just seconds right in front of you on that screen there. And subscribe to TheBengalTiger.com. Get your free Founders Club hat. We appreciate all you guys who are on the board, reading, watching, listening. We'll catch you next week. Spring practice is almost here. Thanks for listening and have a great weekend, everyone. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050-4247. Support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.